Hello, my friend. How are you today? Very well. Thank you, my friends. So nice to be with you again. It is good to be with you again as well. Do you come in the love and the light of the one infinite creator? We do. Do you? I do also. Thank you. We left off our last discussion about picking up perhaps on the, the deep mind. Yes. Is where we dropped off from our last conversation. Yes. We know this is a topic that you wanted to potentially explore a little bit more. And so we were wondering if this is a, a starting place that you would like to begin with in our chat today. I think it's an excellent place to start. Okay. Most people are familiar with the mind-body-spirit, which we delved into a little bit in our previous chats. But we would like to expand a little bit more on the concept of the mind. We'll start from the basic top portion of the mind all the way down to the cosmic mind. And we'll describe each sort of a layer. That'd be great. Our instrument is um, very oriented towards organizing things from A to B, one, you know, in a, in a chronological order. And that's how it makes sense in her brain. We try to project that information in that format that can be easily uh, communicated in a very understandable way on her part. Okay. Okay. The mind. Everybody has a concept of what the mind is. What the mind really is, it's two parts. It's the mind and it's the intuition part of the mind. The mind is that aspect of you which absorbs or basically watches and, and takes in experiences and interactions with others and just the basic day-to-day -day things that are going on around it. It's and very... No, this is talking... The, the mind that we're talking about here or the part of the mind we're talking about here is a third density mind that is heavily involved in the authenticity of the physical world. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, the, the We're just describing the basic aspect of mind and then what's available to individuals in 3D, and then we'll go beyond that. Okay, so this is not necessarily, you're, you're giving an overview of the mind, not ne of a mind, not necessarily a third density mind. Yes, we are giving an overview of the mind from a 3D perspective. What we would say is that the, the mind, as we just stated, observes the environment around it, the experiences it has, and it stores it away. It, it tries to make sense of it in a very rational, concrete, scientific type of way. Then there's another aspect of the mind, which is part of the intuition, and the two sort of work together. So the part of the intuition observes what the rational, what the regular mind is bringing in, you know, the experiences, what's going on around it, and then it, it bounces back some intuition, which is not formulated from a concrete perspective, not you know, not as um, visible or available. It's something that's internally felt. The intuitive mind, then the regular mind that and, t and takes in all of this information, it goes to the intuitive mind, which then puts another spin on it to present it in more of a contemplative format for the individual to explore further. The mind is basically a composition of those two thought processes, one being very analytical and the other being more on a, a spiritual feeling learning level from a spiritual level that doesn't involve a lot of physicality. What the entity has to do, the person has to do, is balance the two. Some people tend to lean more towards the, the analytical mind, the here and the now. I want to understand how this, this clock works. I want to understand how this vehicle works, things of that nature. The, and so the intuitive mind takes that in and tries to put it into a more expansive idea or thought or a different way of contemplating it on a grander scale. 
those two sort of have to meld together. There has to become sort of a balance between the two because one can get skewed the other way towards very analytical thought process, processes and, and discounting the, the intuitive side because that's the free will of the individual. If this happens, it sort of tends to get things a little array. So that person learns more, yes, on a mechanical level of things that are in front of it, and then it, it, it then it really can't translate translate it into a more intuitive spiritual sense because it's it's sort of dismissed that aspect. Oh, intuition. Oh, I should do this. Should do that. It doesn't really resonate. In that particular instance, they can dismiss that and continue with the format that they've been using. And what that leads to is that information that's coming in to be very compartmentalized. It's not fully integrated. It doesn't have a, a greater spiritual side to it that's being recognized, that's what the intu intuition provides if accepted by the 3D individual that's that's looking at the world around them. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Yes, yes. Okay, so, so that balance is sort of like a teeter-totter. It goes back and forth. So when those two find somewhat of a balance, it then goes into sort of the the conscious mind, which is the conscious mind. You're you're awake, you're observing. It's it's very similar to the mind, if not the same. It's consciousness. It's what's going on today. Oh, I'm conscious that I'm sitting in this chair. I'm conscious I have to go to work. All your day to day activities. That's the conscious mind. Then the conscious mind. The the next layer below that is the subconscious mind, which is beginning with your personal subconscious mind which involves the some of the goals and aspects that your higher self and you wanted to explore and learn further in this incarnation, but it's veiled. So that information is not readily available. But the personal mind is that it is personal to you, just to you. So that's a personal subconscious. And then there's a greater subconscious that can apply to many individuals on a very broad sense versus a very individualized flow of information. That's, that's a subconscious and conscious mind. And then it goes into, it funnels down a little bit further into the root mind, uh, which further expands that information on a, on a broader sense. And then from the root mind, that information then is translated to the deep mind. And the deep mind is very broad and expansive insofar as the, the learning that can occur on a spiritual level. It's not as specific, we will say, as let's say the mind, the analytical part of the mind. It's not specific. It's very broad. And so within that, there is the archetypical mind, which is a whole nother topic altogether. <laughs> but the archetypical mind is sort of like a, a map of the deep mind, of the deep mind. It, it provides different ways of viewing things from a, not necessarily a verbal point of view, but perhaps from a pictorial aspect or things like that, that aren't very clear cut, this is this and this. It's up to the individual to, first of all, seek that information that they want it bring it in, recognize it, bring it in, and then make try to make sense of it. If, so it it's, re requires far more, far more meditation, introspection, quiet, time to reflect, and, and to kind of bring that in, invite it in. And it also to attain that information, it does require a lot of patience on the individual that's seeking that information because that knowledge isn't just rushed in all at once. It, it's sort of uh, delineated out in, in pieces. If, and so that's how it becomes incorporated into that soul. It's not all the information at once because that's too much to access at one time. From that point, everything sort of goes all the way up to a pinpoint. It sort of funnels and narrows down. It's very specific to that particular individual. Now below that, you have the cosmic mind, which is essentially the, the consciousness of the creator 
the, they're one and the same. It's very broad. Most, most, if not all densities do not, they have an understanding of it, but not the actual knowing because they haven't been there or experienced that yet. That's sort of a, a general synopsis in a very rudimentary elemental way to describe what the mind is versus just, oh, it's the mind and it's in your brain. It's something that you use to think with. It's, it's much more than that. And so in that aspect, once all of those things are learned, then the other aspects of the mind begin to make more sense. Okay. Let me reiterate my understanding of what you just relayed to us. All of this that you described, all, all of these various layers of the mind, is actually one mind. We have this act. We have access to as much of that as we are able to perceive. Yes, the one mind being the cosmic mind and that of the creator. Yes. Okay. Each of these minds, these layers that you're describing, correspond to different densities. Do they not? As far as excessive. Um, expected accessibility? Yes, it, it is the same for each density. It's sort of that governor that we've discussed numerous times about how much information can come in, how much that particular individual in whatever uh, density they're in, that they can absorb that amount of information and light and be able to take that in and utilize it without being overloaded That to the point where that vehicle in that particular density cannot take in that information. So they may know it's there, but they don't really understand it, feel it, or can acquire it to a much deeper level. They can't focus on it enough at that level of consciousness in order to gain understanding. You, there, you, you get a kind of a preview of it? Yeah, you, you kind of like get like a movie trailer, but a little bit shorter. Okay. <laughs> a little bit shorter when you realize your movie trailers are very long. We don't know why they call it a trailer because that comes to the back of a vehicle versus anyways. Right. Those are semantics. But all the information, as with anything, is available. It's there. It's just the capacity and the limitations within the density that restrict the amount that can be accessed. In third density, in the upper echelons of third density, where there's been more evolution, experiences, learning that has occurred, the consciousness level has risen quite a bit within the parameters of that density. Through deep meditation, quiet introspection from a objective point of view, not a self-deprecating point of view or a judgmental point of view, which is very hard to sort of separate, squeeze out the two between most people because they think of a, a situation and they start to feel bad or what did I do wrong? We would encourage individuals that are in deep meditation that want to contemplate a certain aspect of their life to look at it. And it could be scary, it could generate fear, and then that can shut down the whole thing. Or it can generate a response of acceptance and the willingness to proceed forward and maintaining that higher vibration to accept that information. But that's a very brief amount of your time that that can come in sort of quickly to give you a preview, but it's not something that's experienced every hour of every single one of your days. Starting with the beginning of your explanation, when you're describing that portion of the mind that interacts with the physical world around it, that I would equate to be what we have pre heretofore called the ego mind. Is that reasonably accurate? For the most part, the mind is more of the observing of, of the incidences and what's going on and relatively sort of categorizing it. The intuition comes in to try to uh, expand upon that and make it on a, present it on a more spiritual level. 
but the ego mind sort of kind of steps in and makes it more about the self and sort of, sort of tries to dismiss the intuitive side that wants to bring in the you know the the flow the idea and the understanding that all is one and that threatens the ego so the ego wants to sort of minimize that uh, awareness that that individual is seeking now it's up to that individual yes they can recognize the ego and what it's, what it's doing it's it's sort of a self protective mechanism protection of the self obviously but it can become overbearing if if left on its own accord the ego mind is a perspective based upon the beliefs that that individual has assimilated into its identity is that correct yes yes the ego mind is a compilation of of multiple experiences and feelings and emotions uh, that they assign to that particular experience so the ego mind looks at that and then tries to to prevent that from happening again if it's hurtful or encourage it if it feels good but the ego mind can sort of direct the trains to for the preservation of the ego itself and the individual that's carrying that ego the ego mind ideally is only functioning while the analog projection of the metaphysical self is incarnate. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And we've talked in uh, previous sessions that that's not always the case. The individual with a very strong ego, ego mind, can take that ego mind with them back to their metaphysical experience, but not integrate with their metaphysical self. They maintain that ego in essentially a parallel experience. Is that correct? Yes. The the more that one gravitates towards that ego mind and that sense of separation and, and ignoring that intuition, it creates more of a sense of separation and individuality. And so the ego mind tends to perpetuate that. However, if one's starting to polarize more towards service to self, that ego becomes much larger and it can it can go with the particular individual when they are in their metaphysical self. They can carry that with them into the next incarnation. Now, not with all the learning and the experiences that have occurred because the veil is put up again, but that drive or that instinct to protect itself more and create more of a um, separation and an individuality gets accentuated as that ego mind carries over. It doesn't, it has to become a little more incorporated and accepted to, in order to greatly influence the next incarnation. Okay, so the more prominent the ego mind, the, that can be or, or is an indication of the degree of polarization towards the service to self path. Is it not? Yes. And the ego mind, this is to, we will use the extreme of the ego mind. The extreme is to really push the individuality, the self, the separation. And this translates into behaviors that you witness on a day-to-day basis, whether you're aware this is going on or not. And even the individual experiencing this may not even have the awareness to realize what's happening. Those types of things, as we've spoken before, the more service to self-oriented People are, are, are um, driven more towards careers, jobs that put a hierarchy on the boss all the way down to the worker bee. And so they focus on that and they want to get to the top. That's their goal. Now, this, this may be apparent to people that have a greater awareness and are more spiritually oriented. But to those that, that don't have that orientation, they tend to view those people as, wow, they're, they're driven. 
they're focused, they're dedicated, and they consider those good attributes. However, the motivation behind it isn't necessarily all that altruistic. Aside, if I understand what you were explaining before, aside from the ego mind, there is what you reference as a separate mind. My interpretation would be that they are simply different parts of the mind that we're trying to understand. The one part is, allows us to deal with sensory data uh, input, uh, what our body provides us through the senses, what we perceive to be physical, uh, etc. Again, apart from the ego mind, because the ego mind is the interpretation of that. And then the other half of the essential mind, I don't know what else to call it, is the intuitive part that we have a sense of knowing. Yes. It's not detailed, but we just... When we encounter something that is truth, for example, the information that we're discussing in the course of these chats, it feels uh, right. It feels like the information that resonates with our soul. Is that correct? Yes, yes. This is, this is what the intuition provides. And the intuition, again, as most people know, it's that feeling, we will generalize this to, you know, I really want to get on that bus, but maybe I shouldn't. Or, gosh, you know, I really want to go to the store right now, but something's telling me to just stay home for now, to not go anywhere. There's no logical reason for this feeling. There's no logical, oh, I saw this accident on this road that I normally takes, so I should avoid it. That's more of the, the rational side of the mind versus the intuitive side. It doesn't have to see the accident. It's aware that there's something wrong if I go on this route, so I probably shouldn't do it. And there's no explanation. Now, to people that are more in-depth with the uh, analytical part of the mind, the less spiritual, they, that, those types of experiences are easily dismissed at their detriment to some point. So they could say, well, that's silly. Why, why? I always go to the, the grocery store at this particular time when I get off work. Why would today be any different? That's stupid. But inside you have that voice saying, uh, let's not go there today. Maybe, they, maybe we can do it tomorrow. And then the other, so it kind of is a back and forth. So then the other mind says, well, that's stupid. We do this every day. What's the problem? I'm going to get my car and go. So that overrides that intuition. And then that could lead to difficulties along following that task. Our higher self communicates with us frequently. Yes. And that we would feel is part of that intuition. We would have to be aware of it, mm -hmm. but it come, it would be that part of the mind that is intuitive, that it just feels, I had this thought, and it feels like I should do that, or I should, this should happen, or whatever the case may be. But that is how the communication from our higher self presents itself to us. Is that correct? Yes, the higher self, Again, it can't get too specifically involved with each individual situation. It can kind of give a small nudge, but it's got to get out of the way and let the free will of the individual decide which way they want to go. So they can't push it a dramatic way like, you should go this way, you should go that way, oh my gosh, gosh, and then your neighbor says, yeah, don't do this, don't do this, and then you become a little overwhelmed. The higher self can't function in that capacity. That That's not allowed. It can merely just sort of give a nudge or a, an inkling or a feeling, that feeling you get um, in your stomachs or you feel like you're falling or, or dropping out of something, that pit or is described as that pit in your stomach that you know, oh boy, this doesn't feel right, I shouldn't take this job, or this doesn't feel right, I shouldn't buy this house. It's that deep inner feeling that's 
sort of prodded or awakened and brought into more awareness by the higher self to a very small degree, though. It uh, it has been my experience that it's helpful if you ask the questions of your higher self. If you ask the questions, then that's kind of like uh, giving the higher self permission that you're ready to have that knowledge, that information. Is that correct? Yes, yes. The, the specifics of the information have to be requested. They cannot just be delineated just because the higher self thinks this is a better way to go. It has to be sought. It has to be wanted. And it has to be done in a fashion that's respectful of the information that may come in, whether it's positive or negative from the viewpoint of the individual. So they have to have that vibratory level and that I w- we wouldn't say uh, bravery, but but that ability to accept the acceptance of the that the information I'm asking for could be not what I wanted, or it could be what I wanted. But either way, I want to know, so I'm open to either option. And so, but the asking is the important part. And a lot of times, people when they begin a meditation practice or a, a just choosing a time to be quiet and still and think, that starts the ball rolling. But they get frustrated because they say, well. I keep asking, I want to know about A, B, and C, and I keep requesting this information day after day after day, and it, it, it doesn't come, so forget it. This is stupid. I'm not going to do it. What, what they don't understand is that that information is not going to be automatic. I want to know about this right now. It doesn't work like that. It comes slowly in waves that have to be paid attention to and treated with respect and, and recognizable, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. this and So it sort of melds together in a slower fashion, that it, it's it's sort of broken up into pieces so that that person can conceptualize it, internalize it, feel it, and act upon it if they choose. It's been my experience that the uh, information is more available if, number one, it's asked earnestly, and number two, if it was if it's asked not from the ego perspective. Yes, this is this is very very important. The the asking. Anybody can ask anything. That's fine. It's the motivation behind the asking. Why are you asking? Are you asking because you want this thing? You want this job? You want this career, car, whatever it may be. So you're asking, gosh, you know, what should I study? Should I study this or this? What would be better? What would get me more money to get these things? Okay, that's a very selfish motivation versus the, I really want to understand more about these things so that I learn more about myself, whether I like it or not, the information that comes through. And, and view others from a more broader perspective, non-judgmental perspective. But that has to be asked in a relatively specific and very consistent way and in a patient way. Because if one becomes patient, then they become intolerant of the meditation activity, whatever you want to call it, to get that information that they're seeking. We're talking primarily about the third density experience. Yes. So if we were to... Uh, and again, this is a gross summary, uh, summary I, un- I understand, but just for the sake of, of grouping these understandings together, we have a mind that consists of the rational, logical function as one portion of it and an intuitive portion, which uh, philosophers call the qualia part of our experience the feeling part of our experience, the intu- intuition part of our experience. But we also have the ego, which is a perspective. So it's not really a mind of its own, is it? It is a perspective that interprets or, or overlays a perspective onto uh, the processing of a thought. 
Yes, the ego is created by the individual. It doesn't just knock on the door and show up. It is is developed and it's perpetuated and fueled by the experiences and the biases and prejudices one may have towards that particular experience, individual, whatever you want, whatever it may be. It, it the individual applies these ideas and thoughts and and um, oh this is bad, I don't like that, this is good, and so the ego kind of takes that in, and so the ego can expand by by more and more of these situations that occur, the individual continues to, instead of looking at the whole situation, what could I have learned? It dismisses the intuitive learning portion on a spiritual level that's provided and tends to go with, well, no, that's, that's not right. I think this, and that, that's, that's the ego that's being generated. And so it, the two sort of bounce off one another. So it depends upon how much investment the individual wants to put in the ego to sort of drive the train. To speak so the ego it doesn't just show up it's something that's developed over time and right. it can increase it, it can, obviously it can increase the more experiences that one has right well, it is something that we create with each reincarnation yes to them for the most part yes and ego mind in my perspective my understanding is the primary source of stress and suffering for us is that correct uh it can be it, it very well much it is through you know understanding that Suffering is a repetition of a stressful interpretation of experience. It becomes suffering if we don't learn the lesson. If right. we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over, then that creates the suffering. Yes. But the stress is when our expectations are not met by the experience. In other words, we're trying to control or manipulate the nature of our experience and the interpretation in order to meet the perspectives that we currently hold, prevailing hold. Yes? Yes, this this is true for the most part from the ego point of view. It's that rigidity that individuals that tend to take the more analytical approach and the it's this, that, I feel that because this this person did this to me. I feel that because they wronged me and it and I'm an individual and I, I'm better than you type of thing. And that ego gets bigger and bigger. So if we were, if it were possible... And I know it's ultimately impossible, but not probable in third density. But if we were able to surrender the ego completely and consequently surrender the ego mind, then that would be left with the rational logical mind balanced by the intuitive mind. Yes. Intuitive aspect of the mind. And that would be stress-free, would it not? It would be, but... You, got, you have to understand at this level of consciousness, it's very difficult to balance the two because there are so many influences coming in and to digest them all is difficult. So that, that fine balance that we spoke about before, even if those other sources are eradicated, that balance still is dependent upon the individual and where they want to place their attention. But the, the greater the awareness is, is, is able to be expect, is able to be internalized because there's more acceptance of the intuition that's coming in. And then the intuition says, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And the two kind of come together on a balanced scale. Right. Now, I'm trying to, to uh, establish an extreme mm -hmm. so that we would have a basis of comparison. Yes. And to the extreme, in, in understanding that this is highly improbable, within third density, but if we were able to get rid of the ego, the ego mind, and be left only with that rational logical mind on one hand and the intuitive mind on the other hand, 
then that balance would be much more probable. Yes. Yes, which would reduce or eliminate, ideally eliminate our stress. The elimination of stress, the condition that we experience is bliss. Correct? Yes, yes. If the, if the two are equally balanced, then a lot of the contributing factors that cause that stress, that cause that imbalance, can be eradicated because there's an awareness both on a on a concept on a concrete level and on a spiritual level that can sort of agree with one another so there's no sway one or the other and so that stress is minimized that the stress and pull on one side versus the stress and pull on the other side that goes away and it leaves the individual a little more free to explore other ideas without carrying those biases and that heavy belief system with them but again as you just stated in a third density experience, this is highly, highly improbable. Right. But again, an understanding, I'm trying to describe uh, uh, an extreme yes, situation that, yes, that, for that the basis of comparison. Sure, yes. Okay. So an individual that has become aware, that is earnestly working on their progression along the enlightenment path, seeks greater happiness. We are all motivated to get more of what we like. Happiness, we like more than unhappiness. The happiness is the result, increased happiness is a direct result to a decrease in stress and suffering. Yes. With the ultimate goal of doing away with stress and suffering altogether and arriving at the platform of bliss. Yes, and that that is the ultimate goal is you know everybody wants to achieve bliss and and calm and peace and if those situations can be balanced then there's more time there's more energy available to further put get yourself push yourself to a higher realm because those other forces aren't we'll use this analogy aren't dragging you down so much Mm -hmm. so you have more light you have more information you have more capacity you have more trust within yourself as well as others, and a lot of that self-doubt and that self-deprecating thoughts tend to fall to the wayside because they you come to an understanding that those are not beneficial in any way. Yes, it yes this particular situation what caused me difficulty stress, but now I understand why it was there. And ah, boom. Okay, I don't need that stress anymore. I don't I don't need to focus on that because I understand it. So then that frees up more availability for more energy to come in. Right. So stress is our teacher. It is bringing us messages that we need to become aware of in order to heal ourselves and advance ourselves along the enlightenment path. Yes. uh, Yes. Stress does that. And we are going to go under the assumption when you say the word stress, you are referring to happenings to the 3D individual from an external source that is placed upon them. And then it's the individual's interpretation of the event that causes the stress is, exactly. is this yes. what okay we yes, just want to make sure we want to make sure that our um our, our our verbiage is it means represents the same thing we just want to clarify that yes well every in no experience comes to us with emotion on it every experience is absolutely neutral it's our interpretation of that experience that applies the emotion yes and is that a, if it's a positive emotion then that's reinforcing that what we're doing, what our perspective is accurate. If it's not a pleasant experience, then that is an indication of something within us that we need to become aware of and heal. Yes, this this is true. 
that, that those external experiences are a great catalyst. But you've got to remember, too, that, that people that are a little more service to self, they still want a little bit more of themselves in that individualization versus the service to others path. In my explanations to people about the structure of the hierophant, the identity, the ego, all the same, I present the construction of that hierophant into three segments. One being anything that provides us with immediate gratification. The middle section, all of these beliefs that are brought to us dealing with the social, that are dealing with our experiences and interactions on while we are incarnate. And then the basic is those basic beliefs that we don't really think about. We perceive ourselves to be a gender. We perceive ourselves to be a certain skin color, certain certain culture, all of those things that most people never think about. They just assume that that's the way they are. But as we progress in our healing, then we become aware of the transient nature and the actual lack of gratification fulfillment that we get from those activities, those behaviors that seek only that immediate gratification. And then as we move out of that and we're becoming more and more aware, then we move primarily, and this is not exclusive, in other words, we're not simply moving in a straight line through these segments, but when we reach that preponderance of the social section, then we are becoming more aware of how our beliefs, our biases, our prejudices, and so forth are creating stress for ourselves and for others. And so we become aware of those basic beliefs that stimulate that and begin to surrender those beliefs. And then ultimately, when we become aware, we get to the point where we can surrender the the preoccupation with gender, with skin color, with all of those things that are transient only during, or that are only uh, in effect only during our incarnation, but still very much prejudicial to us and how we experience our incarnation. And so, and what I'm trying to to get to is to outline a path for those that are earnest in their evolutionary process and their enlightenment process that this is how we have created this mind, this ego mind and, and this ego. And the path to healing, the path to advancing along this is healing the emotional baggage that we've talked about numerous times which liberates energy and that liberation of the intelligent energy that is available to us fuels our awareness and allows us to become more aware of the beliefs that we have incorporated into our false identity and thereby reduce our stress and experience greater happiness and propel ourselves along the enlightenment path. And if I understand what you're describing, how the minds work, that ego mind actually is a great deterrent to us making progress as long as we reinforce the authenticity of that ego. If we were able to, dis- to dissolve that entirely, 
which is highly improbable, but we can reduce it significantly. And as we reduce it, then we become more aware of the balance and the interplay between the rational logical mind and the intuitive mind. Yes? Yes, this is true. And from, uh, from the body standpoint, many people are incarnate and they think, oh, I'm white and this and that, and that's it. They don't try to evaluate, well, why am I in this environment? Why do I look like this? Why am I male versus female? How could this possibly benefit me um, in my spiritual journey? And so if I were to get rid of this, this costume, so to speak, who would I be? And if I got rid of these beliefs that, that I need this, I, I have to have this in order to attain this level of happiness. I have to strive harder to make more money, if, for example, or have more control over a situation. And that will uh, lead me to feel better. But it doesn't. So a lot of those ideas, those beliefs are, are not balanced. And so they, those, those core beliefs that one carries from one incarnation to the next need to be dealt with and eradicated in order to move forward, in order to um, get closer to that balance. Because it's, it's, the, it's the holding on of those beliefs and ideas is the ego. It doesn't want to let it go. This is me. This is who I am. This is who I've been ever since I've been here in this incarnation. Why change now? It's primarily fear that causes uh, keeps us uh, holding on to that ego because that's who we think we are. It's absolutely fear-driven. And part of that is reinforced by the population around them because the majority of the population doesn't even recognize this dynamic. And so for somebody to discard their beliefs, their support system, not put so much emphasis on, oh, I really need your advice. I really need you. Tell me what to do. When that begins to fade away, they become very different from, from the rest. That in and of itself may not cause stress for the individual going through it, but it serves as a catalyst for those around them to say, well, so-and-so seems happier. And, and why is this? And so it gives them an opportunity to watch and observe this person and what they're doing and, and how they suddenly seem to be more, uh, shall we say, level-headed, more calm. Uh, more peace. More Yes, more peaceful and more approachable and less volatile. So how does this happen? Because I don't know how to begin this process. And so this can open up a dialogue between the two parties or a question and answer type of thing or just merely a modeling of it. But that individual that's going through this metamorphosis of, of, of shedding these layers really shines, has a much greater light, and, and other beings don't recognize it, but they feel it, and so they become attracted to seek out, well, why is this person emanating so much light and information and I'm not? And this is not done on a conscious level, obviously. But then that becomes a magnet for other people to come to that person and say, well, what did you do? How did you how did you get here? Because that, that looks really nice. I want to do that. And so if they're open to it, they can attain that as well, as long as they, they are open to it and can put the set the ego aside long enough to get into those meditative calm states to allow the information to come in, to have the patience to wait for it to come in and not get frustrated. This portion of the the overall mind that you were describing before, the uh, rational logical half and the intuitive half and even the a reduced portion of the ego still carries over into fourth density does it not yes a portion of the ego and and the uh, core beliefs do carry over they're not just gone 
no matter how much you work through them in third density, there is a great, can be the potential for a great reduction. However, the complete eradication of it is not possible. You need to have a higher vibration and a higher level of understanding and, and um, intelligent energy and information in order to, to decrease that and further. And are you talking about in fourth density? Yes. And yes. that's but that's what occurs. That's that, it, mm-hmm. that is our progression through yes. fourth density. Yes. Right? So th- those things are carried into fourth density, and then they're dealt with uh, again. But the intensity of those beliefs and events are, are far less dramatic than they were before because there's more perspective applied to it. And also, there's a greater reduction of of external voices, noise distractions, to-do lists, things of that nature. So it creates more, we shall say, time in your terms to further evaluate these things and, and come to an understanding and acceptance and not from a non-judgmental point of view. But these other things need to be shed in order for that progression to continue. The ending of fourth, the fourth density experience is the formation of that uh, elementary social memory complex. Yes? Yes. And it is with that. Is the ego mind still present at that time at uh, when a social memory complex is formed or has that ego mind been surrendered? The ego mind is still there in a, in a small portion, but it's more harmonized with the rest of the individuals that are comprised of that social memory complex. So it's not as scary. It's not as pervasive. It doesn't have as much fear generating qualities as it did in third density. It's still there to a limited degree, but but that sort of, we will use this term negative, uh, ego energy is still there, but it can be harmonized and reduced just by the nature of being in, in a group and a social memory complex with that, all that energy being concentrated. Okay. The layer of mind that you were progressing underneath, you described it as being underneath the rational logical mind and the uh, intuitive mind, which I I envision as being compatible parallel. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Underneath that, heretofore, before our discussion, is my perception of where the layer of deep mind laid, but you had the deep mind much farther down in the process. Yes. It was my my understanding, and again, correct me where I'm in error here, that the deep mind served the third, fourth, and fifth densities, the root mind, because it was the root of the creation, or from the root of creation of the experiential and and foundational densities, was uh, sixth density. But that's not correct. No, no, that's correct to a degree. The the deep mind, the root mind, is always sort of putting energy and information and light out to the person through all those densities, through those different layers that we just described. But it's the 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 screening or the acceptance of that energy or light to be recognized and taken in by whatever density that individual is particularly in. But there always is that that interplay. But it's just the awareness and the recognition and the ability to extract, incorporate that that information, generalized information that is being provided versus more of the personal subconscious mind where those ideas and thoughts are personal to that individual, not necessarily the society. The layers of, of the densities, the densities themselves, is it accurate to think of the descending densities 
as being fractals of the density above? In terms of what aspect? Reduced capacity to grasp the whole. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, the energy levels vary significantly between each density. So, so in that regard, the ability to have the awareness to recognize these things is greatly diminished as you go down the densities. So the, uh, each, de- each descending density down de- from the top density down to first, each density is accurate to think of each descending density as a fractal of the one above. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a preview of what to expect next. Now you can give that more attention and, and strive more to seek that out so that the transition or the, the volume of information when you do graduate... It, it, it's, it's, it's an easier flow. It's a much more open door for that information to come in because you've worked out a lot of those discrepancies just prior to entering the next density. We've discussed in the past uh, the nature of free will and a, the fractalization of consciousness at each uh, descending level is made possible by the increased intoxication of free will, is it not? Yes, yes. The, the, the increased free will obviously provides more of an opportunity for self-exploration because the awareness is greater, but also it also sets up that dynamic of, of I'm me and I'm individual and I'm separate. But in second and first density, that becomes a diminishing return, does it not? Because they don't have the awareness yes. in order to, to, to propel themselves forward. Yeah, first and second density do not have that capacity. Right. Okay. It is the surrendering of that free will intoxication or the sobering from that free will intoxication that allows us to increase our awareness, does it not? And, and ascend through, go home through the densities. Yes, yes. It, we will put this in a very relatively juvenile term. It's the recognition of, oh, this behavior isn't working. Oh, that's not good. I don't really want to do that. I really need to put that aside. You know, when I look back upon it, it made sense at the time, but now that I have this new perspective, it seemed kind of silly to do. But without going through it, you wouldn't know that. But when that when that situation presents itself again, you can recognize it and stop it and acknowledge it for what it is and then move forward. Okay. The healing of the emotional baggage. Emotional baggage is heavy in third density. Yes. And it requires intelligent energy to carry it. It requires strength in order to carry that weight. Is that correct? It, it requires a lot of energy, but it, it's sort of um, it's, it's sort of displaced energy that would be more beneficial if it was directed elsewhere. Right. Instead of perseverating on this particular event or feeling or a fear or whatever it may be, instead of focusing on that so much and being afraid and, oh my gosh, if I let this go, well, then what? Versus if you let that go, then it frees up more space. That Then you're more inclined to recognize a greater catalyst for what it could potentially provide you. But you recognize it before it gets to a point where it's detrimental. Yes, it's ill-used yes. to carry the emotional baggage. So the yes. healing of the emotional baggage, which requires learning the lessons that were brought to us through our experiences. Yes, yes. It, it is the recognition of, oh, I did this one time, two times, three times. We've spoke of this before. And I didn't get it, didn't get it. Oh, gosh, this time it was really bad. Okay, uh, yeah, 10 years later. Yeah, okay, I think I, I get it now. And so when looking back on that, that whole 10 years of back and forth could have been avoided 
if that recognition and awareness was available at that time, but without going through that experience, it wouldn't have been presented and accepted. Okay. So my, my understanding is that awareness is fueled by the intelligent energy. Yes. As we redirect the intelligent energy available to us by healing the emotional baggage, no longer having to divert that energy to carry that emotional baggage, that becomes available to fuel greater awareness. That greater awareness is what allows us to move forward on the enlightenment path. Is that correct? Yes, yes. The more uh, emotional baggage, weight, because it does carry... Third density is very heavy density. It's just overall very heavy. We don't quite know how else to describe it. And so it takes energy to just move your physical vehicle through these uh, different terrains, if you will, and environments. And then you add on top of that all this emotion that in beliefs, more importantly, those core beliefs that you don't want to let go. So then that just piles on even further. So that further reduces your ability to spiritually expand within the limits of that density. Okay. You had included in your explanation of the minds, the archetypical mind, which we have alluded to in earlier episodes, but we really haven't discussed. And my understanding that the archetypical mind is essentially a blueprint for how we process thought. Is that correct? Yes, it's sort of a foundation. It's a foundation of different options insofar as how you can process thought. And it is most applicable in the experiential densities, third, fourth, and fifth density. Yes, it, it is It is very applicable if the understanding and awareness and patience can be there to fully dissect it and look at it in pieces because you can't look at the whole archetypical mind all in one setting. You have to sort of study it piece by piece by piece within the third density parameters. And you have to have the recognition that I want to explore this. I understand it's going to take patience and time, but let's find out what this is and how it relates to my spiritual evolution. And as well, as how does it relate to the characteristics of the creator? It serves, the, the one archetypical mind serves third, fourth, and fifth density. But as we've discussed in other aspects of our evolutionary process, what differs is the degree of sway that the archetypical mind has on limiting the thought processes of the participating consciousness. Yes, there is more there is less reliance on that blueprint as you said as a guide as a guiding path as to to further your expansion in spirituality. It you become less dependent on it. It's it's no longer it's already incorporated so there's no need to continuously go back and review it because you already have done this, you've already understood it. It's been incorporated so it's still available. However, that learning has occurred so there's no point to constantly go back and look at it again and again through each density. We had, at the beginning of our conversations, alluded to your position within creation being within the, uh, again, describe it as the nine-star system portion of creation, as is our experience. We're just simply in different nine-star systems. Those nine stars are determined by nine archetypes archetypes of the creator that provide a certain type of experience and it's through the 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 nature of those experiences that we are uniquely exploring the creator 
Yeah, correct. Yes, yes. Each one of those uh, star systems, stars, if you will, has its own, how shall we say, designated um, awareness level that's provided that is that is more pertinent, more obvious than in others. So it provides more of a catalyst to learn that particular awareness for further expansion in a different environment from time to time. Okay, but the archetypical mind is designed with these or, or out of these nine archetypes or then is it not yes yes the more that, that that it becomes incorporated understood then the more information the mind has to work with so as we progress through our evolution our awareness of the archetypes that and how they de- are designed in the archetypical mind becomes it's brought more into our awareness. We're more aware of that. And I think this is what you were alluding to before, is the depth of our understanding of how we can integrate the, incrementally integrate the aspects of the Creator. And as we are successful in that, then the sway of the archetypical mind becomes less dominant, less prevalent. Is that correct? Yes, it becomes less prevalent and less dominant because the the awareness is there, and so the the influence or the the learning or the desire to learn is less dependent upon those um, analogies of those presentations of of information and spirituality. There's less dependence on that because you've already explored it, you understand it, you can incorporate it. So it's not as important, or that's not the right word. It is not as necessary to evaluate each time as you go up in the densities because that information's already been assimilated. Uh, of the, the nine stars uh, or the nine archetypes that create this, the nature of, of our universal experience, five are inherent characteristics and four are distortions. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it, it can be categorized in a number of different ways depending upon how you look at it and depending upon the the explanation that's provided by our particular group we will call it group versus other groups so the information is the same it's just presented in a different fashion okay how large a territory does a an archetypical mind serve are there are there a variety of of archetypical minds or do they vary all within the nine star system is there one archetypical mind that is that serves that whole nine star system or are there varieties of the archetypical mind there is one archetypical mind however how it's delineated throughout uh, the different star systems can vary in its presentation the the overall understanding and goal of incorporating that is the same no matter what it's just the presentation of it can be different based upon each star system's environment, level of, of progression and the densities, things of, natu- of that nature. So the presentation is more geared towards what that individual is experiencing within that environment and that culture. So that can vary, but the overall um, learning is the same, if okay. that makes but sense. A minor tweaking of the archetypical mind would, would greatly vary the nature of the experience would it not yes yes and again it comes from the perspective and how the information is presented you know within the different star systems by other social memory complex groups that wish to um, communicate in this fashion okay we started this 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 conversation this chat on uh, the deep mind so 
where we are in exploring our understanding or our limited understanding of third density and fourth density awareness of the minds, I guess what I'm asking is where does the the category of the deep mind fall into that? Is it pervasive to all of the densities? We would use the word it's, it's available to all densities. However, the amount that is extrapolated or available to each density will vary, obviously, because the awareness level of the individual and the one seeking more information varies greatly as you go from first to sixth density. That varies quite a bit. So it's there, but it's available, but, but the probability of accessing it and let alone even recognizing its existence is relatively small within okay. the lower densities. And the deep mind in relation to the root mind? The root mind is a product of the deep mind, or is the deep mind a product of the root mind? Or are they parallel? Um, the deep mind, or the root mind, is somewhat of a product of the deep mind. The deep mind has a greater expanse and availability to more information because it's the next mind that's closest to um, um, cosmic consciousness, which is the creator. Okay. And these vary uh, or, or, or are distinguished by the nature of the environment that they create, are they not? Yes, the learning can be greatly presented in an infinite number of fashions through the environment, the physical, physical vehicle, what it looks like, its biases and prejudices, all of those are very different. Uh, but as we said before, the goal of the learning is the same. Uh, I think we probably need to get our conversation concluded today. I think our instrument is getting fatigued. Yes, she's getting tired. Okay. Well, there's more for us to talk about. We've had uh, a, yes. a, a very enlightening enlightening message from you today, and we're grateful. Thank you, and we are, are grateful for your input as well as her input in the fashion or the organization of the information that's provided that can be most easily understood within your particular density as well as your particular cultural level. Thank you. Thank you.